Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yo, what is up? It is your boy Johnny Mags back at you once again for another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am joined, as always, with... Daniel Garcia. And it is the end of July. Actually, we're in August, but this is our end of July show, the end of the month show. So it's our end of the month review show for the month of July. Obviously, uh, a lot of things happening uh, as far as movement, player movement. Uh, not much happening as far as the Angels trying to move up in the standings <laughs> in the uh, playoff picture. So, I mean, we, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but let's just jump right into our weekend review. The Angels, uh, you know, you guys, I wasn't on the show last week. Chris Securator Johnson filled in for me. Uh, of course, Dan took the helm, and uh, you guys were live from San Manuel Stadium. So the Angels played that day, and they won. They were playing the White Sox. They dropped the first, what, two to the White Sox before yeah, that? Yeah, it was kind of one of those things where like, we were talking about on the podcast. Going into a series like that, you were hoping to get like three out of four, if not four out of four, definitely. Yes. Yeah, you know, looking ahead, you know, as you always do in June and May and June, you're looking at these games in July against the White Sox, and you're already thinking, cool, they should win three out of four or probably sweep the series. But then the Angels went ahead and dropped the first two. They had to kind of come back and, and, uh, and try to at least earn a split, and they did. Uh, Thursday was a finale of the series. They won 12-8, to 8, so the offense showed up. But the eight runs on the White Sox, that's a lot of runs uh, for a team like the White Sox to score. On this day, the Angels traded uh, Martin Maldonado. We'll talk about that in a second. But Tropiano pitched six in the third, gave up five hits, five runs. A lot of runs to a White Sox team, right? I mean, you don't, you kind of, something you don't want to see. Yeah, kind of like we were talking about before, you have to take advantage um, regardless of where you're at in the standings, you have to take advantage of those, those teams below you to make up some ground and make up some um, – get into contention, especially like you were saying with the trade deadline being where it was. Um, it doesn't help when you're trying to figure out whether you're buyers or sellers when you lose to a team like the White Sox. Um, I think that kind of pushed them to do what they did as far as, like you said earlier, we'll, we'll talk about it with the trading of Maldonado and Kinsler. Yeah, so – in this game, we talked about the trade of Maldonado. So with that happening that day, the Angels called up rookie catcher Francisco Arcia, not Garcia, right? Uh, Makes they, it really easy to remember. It's right. unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, they called him up, made his major league debut after 12 years in the minors, and he did not disappoint. He had a three-run home run in the bottom of the seventh to put the Angels ahead 9-5. He went 2-4 for four in the game. Also in this game, uh, Justin Upton went 4-4. Four for four. And like I said, it was a 12-8 a game, so the offense showed up in this game. 
The only thing that I didn't like was the eight runs scored by a White Sox team that should not be scoring eight runs in a game. So the Angels uh, earned the split in that series, 2-2. They moved on ahead to a series against the Mariners that they kind of surprised me in. Uh, but the Mariners have kind of been on a downside since, you know, the All-Star break. Yeah, um, a lot of people suspected or expected uh, Seattle to kind of slide back to reality and it seems like they're doing it now, but the people yeah. that are, or the team that's overtaking them being Oakland, Oakland is another surprise that a lot of people did not expect coming into the year. Yeah, so the Angels won this game 4-3 to three behind eight solid innings of by Andrew Heaney. He gave up seven hits, three runs, and what I liked about his line was no walks in eight innings, man. Five Ks. Uh, didn't earn the victory. Uh, the Angels blew it there in the ninth, but it took a Cole Calhoun walk-off home run in the tenth to win the game. How hot has Cole Calhoun been, man, since coming off the DL? Yeah, I mean, this guy's been unbelievable um, coming off the DL. We'll talk about him more, too, once we get into reviewing the month of July. But uh, first career walk-off also for Cole. He has been something that the Angels have desperately needed, to some kind of production outside of Trout. And I text uh, the guys you know, a couple days ago. I'm like, would you have ever thought um, that the Angels were going to need more production than just Cole Calhoun. Yeah. I mean, if you were to say that even like three months ago, four months ago, people were like, what are you talking about? But he has turned it around. His new mechanics at the plate have seemed to be right where he needs to be and able to reach those hard outside pitches. And um, he's just been able to, I think, too, I heard on a telecast, instead of being all caught up in kind of the launch angle and, and all that stuff, uppercut swings, which people thought he was trying to get involved more and more during the beginning of the year. Now he's just trying to hit line drives, and that's what he's done before. To try to hit line drives, home runs will happen if you do that, and it seems like it's absolutely worked for him. You try to hit the ball hard, not try to worry about getting it up in the air, and now look uh, the production he has. That's the downside to a lot of the technology nowadays where guys are thinking about launch angles and, and all these cybermetric crap that you didn't worry about before. It was go out there, hit the ball hard, barrel the ball up, hit the ball up the middle, and, and results will happen. So I think, I guess, you know, like you said, he just simplified things in a nutshell, and, and it's working out for Cole. So the Angels won that game on a Friday. They moved ahead of the Saturday game. The offense showed up again, scoring 11 runs, beating the Mariners 11-5. Jaime Berea, six innings pitch, five hits, two in runs. Uh, no walks. Another line that I like to see, from, especially from a guy like Berea, no walks in, in, in six innings is great. Uh, Trout continued to kill Felix Hernandez. Uh, another home run in the first inning. It's crazy how, you know, I know that Felix is kind of on a down, the down of his career now, but even when Felix is at the top of his game, Mike Trout just seems to have his number, right? Yeah, it, it was, like you said, first inning. Um, Felix wasn't the typical Felix for that game. But kind of like what you were saying, even when you go back to, I believe it was like three years ago, opening day, Trout takes him deep. I mean, it is I was there. It, it seems like it always seems to happen. Um, Trout home run. Arcia, again, six RBIs in that one game that gave him 10 total for his first two games, which was a, which had, is still an MLB record <laughs> for most RBIs in your first two uh, appearances. So, again, 11 runs, five, uh, 11 to 5, so often shows up. Now you just hope that you're, you would be able to carry it through. But um, Trout, you know, being Trout and being able to take advantage of uh, a downward Felix is definitely something that helps. Yeah, so the Angels already with that win, pick up the series win against the Mariners. So they moved on to Sunday's game. And Felix Pena just was, I guess he hit a wall. Uh, One-third of an inning pitch, six hits, seven earned runs, two walks, and one strikeout. 
I know that Chris, the curator Johnson, was pretty upset that Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon because we got a text from him talking about how, what the heck is going on here. And, uh, yeah, Felix was roughed up, man. The Angels tried to come back, but, I mean, they fell behind way too early. Uh, seven out of the eight runs from the Mariners came in the first inning. And then the Ams just ran away with it in the first, and the Angels just couldn't come back. I mean, plain and simple, that seven runs in one inning, your guy only got one guy out. Uh, recipe for disaster. No, and, and I think it's important to know that Pena is is supposed to be that bullpen guy, yeah, long reliever. Yeah. He's never supposed to be um, a starter for any kind of significant time. But it's kind of crazy just to think that this guy, you know, coming into the year, I mean, his career high in innings was last year was 34, uh, 34 and a third innings. And he already has 32 and a two-thirds innings with the Angels. Yeah. And he's only had, you know – Nine games. He's only appeared nine times. So I kind of see it as maybe him running into a little bit of a wall, putting a lot of innings on him really quickly when he isn't necessarily um, made for that or has ever really trained for that. Um, but I have to give it to the bullpen. After the bullpen, after they uh, take Pena out, the bullpen goes eight and two-thirds inning with only giving up one run. So at least it made it interesting because I, yeah. I watched the game and 8-0, you're like, okay, um, uh, I, I'm changing the channel. And then you start getting these little updates. Oh, you know, it's 8-3 or 8-4. Finally, it gets to 8-5. You're like, okay, now they're actually making a game of it, turn it back on the you know, 8th, ninth inning and see what happens. But um, give it up for, you know, the, the bullpen for holding it to where at least they had a shot. And you have Upton with three RBIs as, that's contributing. So um, for a situation that could have been super ugly, it was somewhat respectable. Um, once you look at the end of end of the game, yeah. So the Angels dropped the uh, series finale to the Mariners eight to five. Moving on to they had an off day on Monday, and then they started a new series in, in Tampa against the Rays on Tuesday to wrap up the end of July. Skaggs got roughed up three and a thirds inning, eight hit or eight hits, ten earned runs, three walks, three strikeouts. Again, the Angels fell behind early, couldn't come back. They trailed ten to one at the end of four innings. Trout and Cole Calhoun hit home runs to kind of put them closer to a 10-6 loss. I mean, other than the pitching, again, I kind of let them down this time again for the second straight game. Yeah, and Skaggs was saying afterwards it was probably the worst start he's ever had, getting up 10 runs in, in uh, three and a third. Um, but again, at least the bullpen's holding it. They yeah. um, After Skaggs were taken out, they didn't no give another run, give them a fighting chance. I mean, as a bullpen, all you're asking is just hold them where they're at, and then hopefully the offense gets hot put a couple runs together and a couple innings, and then you're in the, into the ball game. But, yeah, like you said, Trout and, again, Cole Calhoun with another home run. But the starting pitching, when it's on, it seems like something's, something's off. When the offense is on, uh, it looks like something else. It just seems like something that's completely um, up and down that we've seen all year with the Angels. Absolutely. So that wrapped up uh, the end of July, and we'll talk about the July numbers here soon. we got a couple more games to talk about here. They moved on Wednesday. And they lost again, this time 7-2. Trope, 5 and 2 thirds, 7 hits, 4 and runs, 4 walks. I don't like that, 4Ks. Uh, Trope's kind of struggled since his return. Uh, Cole stays hot, another home run. And into the Ray tank. Into the Ray splash. Yeah, Angels fall behind in the fourth again. And it just, you know, the Rays didn't look back. The Angels couldn't score any more runs after that. Only two runs. Uh, again, Cole Calhoun against staying hot. I mean, there's nothing more to say about this game, right? I mean, it's just... Yeah, and it's kind of funny, too, how the, how Tampa Bay does their pitching rotation or their, their game management is the fact that um, they don't really have a starting pitcher that starts games. It's kind of like a bullpen, and then they're putting a starter in. So the <coughs> fact that, 
I believe I think it was this game. They brought in a a righty to start the game, and then after he lasted maybe like an inning or two, they brought in a lefty, and we all know how Angels have struggled in, on lefties. So, yeah. um, for a team that doesn't really have a long guy but a bunch of short guys, the fact that they could probably play matchups with the Angels who struggle severely against lefties was not the ideal situation. Um, I'm sure they would have loved to see Chris Archer, even though he got traded. Right. It couldn't have been any worse. No. So they dropped the second straight game to the Rays, already lost the series. I didn't watch a game today, but the game is over as we're recording. Andrew Heaney pitched yeah. six innings, six hits, four and runs, five strikeouts. It looks like they fell behind early. They scored The Rays scored four runs, all their four runs in the fourth inning. So, again, the bullpen came in and didn't allow any runs after you know Heaney's six. And then the Angels scored two runs in the seventh, but just – Again, the offense just couldn't show up. They lose four to two, and they get swept by the Rays in yeah, the process. Yeah, it's just you know not consistent, and um, yeah, one ugly one ugly inning for for Haney. Nothing more than that. I mean, if he gets out of that inning, maybe with only three runs or two runs, it's a whole different ball game. But um, other than that inning, he he pitched really well. Like you said, six innings, four or five strikeouts. Um, yeah, the, the Angels getting swept by the by the Devil Rays or by the Rays now. Kind of really just signifies what the season is and and where they're at. You know, I jumped on on live on Instagram before we started the show, and we had a comment by someone that said, "Can't believe we got swept by the Rays." And I said, "Well, the Rays are just as good of a team as we are, so it's not like we got swept by, you know, the last place, you know, horrible, you know, bad news bears. You know, I think the Rays are just as equally as good as we are. They just beat us. I think we're that." Like, we've kind of said it before. Are the Angels a 500 team at the beginning of the season? We kind of had our expectations up high. Nah, it is what it is. So, we got swept. Now we're, what, two, three games under 500 again? Um, but Yeah, I mean, they're, they're was it 54 and 51, I think? Or something uh, around those 51 lines. 51 and 54, because we don't have more oh, yeah, wins than we have yeah, losses. Yeah, that's right. 51 um, and 54, yeah. But, so, uh, yeah. yeah. To finish the month of July, the Angels finished 11 and 13. 11 wins, 13 losses, under 500. We talked about it all podcasts all, all season long. You want to finish the month over 500 if you're going to be in contention. And, I mean, obviously this month was. Right, not great. I mean, there's, they're 10 games back of the, of the wild card and 15 games back of the division. I guess so 10 games isn't exactly terrible having two full months to play. But, yeah, but. some stuff needs to change as far as um, putting complete series. Now, you, now you're not even looking at putting complete games together. Now you're looking to put complete series together and you're going to have to need a handful of sweeps um, from here on out to, to yeah. get into that. Um, like you said, um, the Mariners are struggling, so they're sliding back. Maybe the A's slide back. Maybe they don't. I don't know for that last that last playoff spot. Yankees are starting to slide a little bit now. Right. The judge isn't gone. They just took uh, Sonny Gray out of their rotation. So um, a lot of things can happen, granted, but as far as the team that you see now, it doesn't seem like it's going to be the one that's competing um, seriously down the line no i mean you got to be realistic like you just said you mentioned three teams you have to bank on those three teams all failing too and and at the same time you have to pull off four or five game winning streaks you know consistently and you got to hope that the a's and the and you got to hope that the mariners and you got to hope that the yankees lose three or four or five games in that same process can it happen sure you know so you're saying i have a chance thing but be realistic and and kind of look at at the broad picture. I don't know if you have any more numbers as far as offensive numbers and pitching numbers for the month of July, but I mean, it wasn't the best month no, of the season. I for mean, sure. I guess 
a couple of bright spots in the month of July. Cole uh, Calhoun. Cole Calhoun. I mean, I talked to these guys a couple of days ago. I'm like, I'm really interested to see once the month wraps up where the numbers are as far as him and Trout. That's crazy. And Cole Calhoun for the month of July was batting uh, or is batting 322, 10 home runs and 25 RBIs. And you compare it to Trout, who was batting 291, so below 300, six home runs and 11 RBIs. So he has uh, he beat him by home. I mean, in every offensive category he had he beat trout in the month of july which is great um he has you know, obviously he has that confidence back obviously he has whatever he was working on it, it definitely works so that's good to, to know that he can go work on some things and then when he comes back it it it, it picks up and takes off you know it, it'd be really frustrating if as a player you think you haven't you think you have a something you have to work on and then you work on it you fix it you come back and it doesn't translate into hits it doesn't translate to home runs that could be really frustrating but it's nice to see that whatever it was that he saw he worked on uh, works now and it he has definitely just taken off after uh, during the month of july yeah i he's just been the guy that we've been hoping we had all year long had we have had this cole calhoun all year long who knows where we would we would be you know there were situations where we could have used him in the beginning of the year where there was games where he could have came through and he didn't but I'm just glad that he found his stride and he hit his he hit his stride and now he's doing what he has to do. Um, it shows a lot of character because the guy was just I mean let's be honest he was the Angel fans were ready to kick him out the door myself included. You know it's just I'm just glad that he turned it around. Yeah, yeah I, I mean not only him but you look at someone like Andrew Haney his month of July. 34 in a third innings pitched a 2.88 ERA, 35 strikeouts with five starts. So. Um, definitely a pitcher that is stepping his game up and is trying to, I guess, compete for that ace spot now that it is wide open with uh, Garrett Richards and Otani being on the DL and and Richards definitely being out next year, but Otani still up in the air whether or not he's going to pitch next year or or what's going to happen. So um, with him performing the way he has, um, it's definitely a bright spot in, in the rotation coming forward. For sure. So... That's not the only thing that happened in the month of July. You guys touched on it. you know. Well, let's talk about the Kinsler trade before we talk about the trade that happened before. Because you guys had talked about this trade last week on the podcast. But the Angels traded away Ian Kinsler. And they picked up two AAA guys with a tremendous upside, in my opinion. These are guys that you can call up probably now if you needed them to You needed them to come up to kind of you know take some stress off of the already worked, overworked bullpen. But these guys have, it seems from what I hear and from what I've read, these guys touched in the upper 90s. One hits triple digits. One's a lefty. You know, one of them was probably what uh, one of the top prospects in, in the Red Sox organization. Not not superstar top prospect, but he was up there in the prospect list for the Red Sox. Do uh, you want to you have them on, on, on hand here? I know one of them was a lefty. Uh, I think his last name was Jerez. And the righty is but, Buttery? Buttery? Ty Buttery. Ty Buttery, yeah. Um. You know, like you said, one's a lefty, one's a righty. Everyone was complaining about them not getting any pitching or them not having any um, bullpen arms. But, uh, you know, Ty Buttery, 25 years old, the right-hander. Um, he's already 27 prospect in the Angels organization. So, again, not a guy that um, is super high up there. But, but he's is, up there. But I he's mean. up there. He is going to be kind of MLB ready by, if not by the end of this year, definitely competing for a bullpen spot next year depending on some – how, how things work out with maybe a Blake Parker or, yeah. or um, Camber Drosian. Definitely seeing that Jim Johnson's going to be another year older. Um, definitely because you're not going to have a, a key to be the closer next year. So 
Um, he can definitely compete. And then you have uh, William Jimenez, or what is it? Yeah, twenty-six-year-old left-hander. You know, um, he's not in the top thirty, but lefty. But it's a lefty. Um, Alvarez has done great the last couple of years. Um, I don't know, maybe if they try to flip Alvarez in the offseason and try to get some more depth, knowing that this kid's right there coming up, um, that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, at least you like the fact that if they're going to trade a MLB player now, they are trading for prospects, and not just any prospects, prospects that are fairly close to being MLB ready within the next, you know, yeah. two two months, the next beginning of the next season easily. So that's definitely um, – <laughs> You know, a trade that I think worked out for both teams. If you look Absolutely. at it, yeah. Boston has been struggling trying to find a consistent second baseman <clears throat> for everything that Kinsler doesn't do offensively. He definitely has with his uh, with his defense, and I think a lot of times that is what's more important to um, that second base position is what you can do defensively than offensively. Yeah, and what I like about the lefty is that I read that he touches the high nineties. I mean, that's a lefty coming out of the bullpen touching the high nineties. I like it. You know, a lot of people on on Halo Haven and on other, you know, forums on, on the on the internet talking about. I don't understand why they didn't get more for Kinsler. Uh, it's it, it boggles my mind that some people think like this uh, all season long. People wanted Kinsler out the door, but all of a sudden when we trade him, we should have gotten more for him, right? Uh, I don't get that. I think this is a great trade. The Angels pick up a, two guys who are team control for a few more seasons. They get rid of a guy who otherwise is going to walk otherwise is going to walk away in two months. Angels, when they signed Kinsler or traded for Kinsler, knew that he was a one year guy, and um, I just don't see how people get upset about these trades. I don't see. I think they wanted us to pick up Mookie Betts for Ian Kinsler, and it's just not going to happen, guys. Uh, be realistic yeah. with what we have and what we're giving away. It's like a team coming to us and saying, "Well, you know, um, we'll give you. Let's see." Uh, We'll give you our, our backup second baseman. You guys got to give us uh, Joe Adele and Jemai Jones. It's not going to happen. So be realistic, guys. Kinsler is not a guy who's going to demand a guy who's going to have a huge impact on this team. They're not going to get an all-star for him. Kinsler is at the back end of his deal. He was gone. He was out the door. He was out the door in two months. Yeah, so, I mean, kind of what you were saying, we got the same email from uh, from Daniel Ortega um, talking about him, he, and he says, man, it's crazy how upset people are with the trade of Kinsler. Ha, ha, ha. Just about a month ago, people were calling for his head. Good trade, just like the Maldi deal. Uh, get something in return for now. I hear the pitchers we got are MLB ready at any moment, so they will have an in- immediate impact for better or for worse. worse. Good, good job, as always. So, yeah, kind of like what you were saying, um, people were ready to – Fight these guys, um, <laughs> trying to get you know him yeah. off the team. But now, when you do trade them, it's like, well, well, why didn't we get more? But I think, and we'll talk about the Maldi trade coming up right now. But yeah. um, these guys, Kinsler, Maldonado, they were going to walk at the end of the year. Yeah, Kinsler, I know for sure they had really had no interest no, in no. re-signing a Maldonado. I'm not. I, I was. Uh, well, maybe a one or two year. Yeah, deal just after because this, there's but... not a lot of depth in the yeah. organization behind. Uh, Maldonado at catcher, you can get depth at second base, whether it's moving yeah. Fletcher there or whether it's moving uh, Cozart when he comes back next year, is moving there. So at second base, they had options. And Kinsler is getting older. I think he's 34 now. Been 30. No, I think he's older than he's that. He's 35. But he, yeah. he's like in his mid 30s. So obviously, he wasn't going to be the long term solution at that position. So um, any kind of pitching depth that people have been asking for forever now, any kind of depth they get is, is, is definitely a plus. I think people just get caught up on the fact that they're minor leaguers and don't understand that these guys – everyone was a minor leaguer at some point, guys. Um, 
Moving on to the trading, we're talking about the catcher position. The Angels traded Martin Maldonado on, on Thursday when you guys were in San Manuel Stadium. They traded him away for a left-handed youngster, Patrick Sandoval. Uh, again, another a starting pitcher. Another guy who's 21 years old, has tremendous upside. They're getting rid of a guy in Maldonado. And let's be honest, Maldonado, 32 years old, going on 33, going to walk away at the end of the season. Angels maybe go, maybe they try to re-sign him for a year if they don't trade him, year two year deal. Here's what I'm. Here's here's the thing though with Maldonado, and I might catch some heat for this. I don't know if you'll agree with me, Daniel, but let's not forget that the Angels have a catcher who's coming back soon. His name is Rene Rivera. Okay, Rene Rivera is a very solid major league catcher. The Angels, I think, traded away Maldonado and thinking that they can probably get you know get something for him, in which they did. They got Sandoval for him. But if, you know, they look at this next couple months and the, the youngsters that they have kind of they, they look at them and say, maybe these aren't the guys we want for the next year or two. Rene Rivera is a guy that you can get cheaper than a Maldonado and you don't lose much switching Maldonado for Rivera. To be 100 percent honest, Rivera's a or, uh, Maldonado's a great catcher. You're not going to replace that gold glove, but Rene Rivera is a hell of a catcher. He proved that to us uh, in the two months before he got hurt. Has a great bat as well. Not any worse than Martin Maldonado. Not any better than Martin Maldonado. He's a guy that's going to hit 10 to 12 home runs in a season. Maybe drive 30, 40 runs. He did that in New York. He's done that in the past with other teams. So trading Maldonado to me wasn't the end of the world. It made 100% sense to me. But they pick up a guy in, in Patrick Sandoval, man, who's young and has a tremendous upside. Yeah, kind of going back to what you're saying about Rene Rivera. Um you know, maybe he's the answer for right now to play the for, end, end, end for the season. End of season, maybe even next year. I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel comfortable with him next season just because he is thirty-five and you're waiting for that decline to happen at yeah. that age. I mean, and when it happens, it's going to happen. But quick. he's cheap. He's going to sign a one, two million dollars. Yeah, I, I still wouldn't feel comfortable with him being like an everyday catcher. You would want, um, you know, well, whether Bersenio it's Bersenio or Arsenio. Yeah. These guys are both in their mid twenties. I think one's twenty-five and the other one's twenty-six, but. Um, yeah, I mean, the catching position is going to be something that... It's something they can platoon with. Platoon. Yeah. Possibly look at the free agent market, make some trades in the offseason. But I think, by far, the uh, catching position is going to be one of um, big need going into the offseason. But, yeah, going to, like you said, Patrick Sandoval, his first start was Sunday uh, for the 66ers up in San Jose. He went four and two-thirds innings. Uh, no runs, nine Ks. Um, you know, and again, a left-handed pitcher. I think he's already number 20 in, our, in the Angels farm system so again some guy that a guy that's already up there high in into the uh, prospect list but i went down to Inland empire on tuesday night to catch up with him and i was able to um you know just have a couple words with him uh after a game and just kind of see how he felt and what the process was when he got traded so uh here we are here with one of the newer angels patrick sandoval um thanks for joining us and uh taking the time to talk with us yeah, no problem. Um, so for people that are not, uh, not aware, you were involved in the Martin Maldonado trade coming from Houston. Where were you, and how did you find out about that trade? Um, I was in the locker room, actually, in Potomac, uh, getting ready for a doubleheader, just uh, sitting on the couch, talking to teammates, messing around, and then uh, my manager called me into his office and just handed me the phone. He didn't really explain, and uh, our uh, director of minor league operations called and let me know that I was... Uh, included in a trade to, to the Angels and that uh, they would be in contact with me shortly and I hung up and my manager was asked me like what they say and I was like I just got traded to the Angels and he's like 
what? Like, that's crazy. Congratulations. Uh, well, see ya. Like, <laughs> and then I uh, walked out, called my mom, and that was it. So being from Mission Viejo, being from Orange County, I'm guessing Angel fan growing up, what was like one of the first things that popped into your mind when you heard that it was not only were you traded, but also going to the Angels? I, I didn't know what to think at the time. And then after I called my mom and told her I'd probably be coming home, and uh, that's when I hit me. I said I was coming home, and just the thought of being able to, to work for a chance to pitch at the Big A so close to home and all my family and my friends could be there to watch. I mean, it was just unreal. Is this the first time you're in, um, be able to pitch professionally in the state of California, or have you pitched in the state before? No, this is this whole well, San Jose was the first time. Yeah, I pitched professionally in California, and it'll be the first time Sunday or Saturday for a lot of my family and friends to actually be able to see me. So yeah, that's gonna be my awesome. next question. You, you uh, Saturday you're coming to pitch. Uh, already have a bunch of friends, bunch of family coming out for the game. Oh yeah, the fan club should be in full effect on Saturday. Uh, a lot of friends, a lot of family, of course. Uh, it should be really fun. Awesome. Um, what do you think, you know, developing through Houston and now with the Angels, what's something you think you improved on um, from the beginning of this year to, uh, to now? I think just harnessing my, uh, my uh, delivery and being able to repeat it uh, more often. And, and uh, limit, it's obviously limited the walks that I've had this year, and I think that's just been the biggest step in my development this year. So something we like to do with the guys we also interview, whether it's you know Brandon Marsh or Jordan Zimmerman, the guys we interview, we also get, like to get to know you a little bit better as, as a person. Um, when you're on these long bus rides or you have time to kill over overnight in, you know, in a hotel, what do, you, what do you do to pass the time? Are you a gamer? Do you read a book? Do you Netflix? What is it that you do to pass the time? Just listen to music. I, I'm, I put the headphones on and I'm, I'm pretty in deep with uh, whatever I'm playing. Uh, what type of music? I like rap, R&B. That's pretty much it, actually. Not very, not very wide variety, but. All right. So, as a pitcher, strikeout swinging or strikeout looking? Oh man, it depends. Strikeout looking, if it's like a curveball, an absolute banger that just freezes them, or a fastball blown by people. I mean, there's, I don't know, those two, pretty equal to me. Okay, so um, baseball players are known for their superstitions. Do you have any either before start, during the start, or anything like that? Um. The only thing that I could say is kind of a superstition is before each inning, before I pitch, I, I squat down and just, like, stretch a little bit. But that's it. It's just to get me locked in, I guess. Um, so pizza or hamburgers? Hamburgers. Ah, hamburgers, yeah. So I'm guessing being the Southern Cal- California, uh, In-N-Out's probably your main main go-to? In-N-Out is definitely one of them, yes. Awesome, man. Thank you very much for uh, taking some time out and talking with us. No problem. Thank you. Hey, what's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. We 
This is Hook Vicious. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. This is Brandon Marsh for Los Angeles Angels and 66ers Baseball. You're listening to All Angels Podcast. What is up? We are back. Thank you for uh, our sponsors for supporting the show. You guys check out uh, www.groomgoon.com and you know www.epicradiotv.com and also go on Instagram and look up the Alley Cat SoCal. Uh, great line of uh, clothing and uh, hair products for your uh, your hair. Slick cat pomade. All right, so everyone's favorite segment of the show. It is known none other than it is true. It is none other than Curator's Chronicles. Curator, you want to step in here? Hello, Angels Nation. It's another edition of the Curator's Chronicles. Uh, As we continue to celebrate the one, the Hall of Famer, Vladimir Guerrero. Uh, It's all about Vlad today. So it's kind of weird on August 2nd, day that in which we're recording this segment, um, August 2nd, 2005. It's, it's, it's kind of eerie how Vlad likes to go deep on August 2nd. But August 2nd, 2005, Vladimir Guerrero hits two home runs and drives in five runs during a 10-3 triumph over the Orioles at Angel Stadium. Hold on, I'm not done yet. 2006, August 2nd, Vladimir Guerrero homers twice during a 6-4 win over the Athletics in Oakland. I'm not done yet. August 3rd, Vladimir Guerrero hits two home runs for the second game in a row, but the Angels lose 8-4 to the Athletics in Oakland. I think one thing is Angel fans, and I'm guilty of this myself, is that we didn't – I don't think we really – really realized how great of a a player he was and what we are witnessing. I think some of us do a little bit, but I think towards the end of Vlad's tenure, it was kind of like, ah, you know, it's time for you to move on. And now in retrospect, especially watching the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, and uh, dude, I'm not going to admit, I I cried a little bit. I don't know if it's it's the coming to an end of a a childhood um, with you know players like Chipper Jones, Vladimir, all those guys, but it was it was it was rough. Chris, you weren't alone in the crying. I was Dude, there with you. I was watching it, and it's one of the it's one of the few Hall of Fame inductions I watched. I wish Vlad would have talked a little bit more, and that our our friend Jose Moda would would have been able to interpret a little bit more. And you're going to hear his his interview coming up, but. Um, Vladimir's always been a man of few words, and it was just it was just beautiful. And I think he got the largest ovation at the at the ceremony. Yeah, the Dominicans came out in full force, but Vlad not talking so much was classic Vlad, though. Vlad yeah. never really talked. He always said that I let my bat do the talking for me. And but it was great to see him up there. And and when they brushed out the plaque, and I saw the Angels hat on his head, it, it struck me. I'm like, man, I I you know we, we're diehard fans. We've kind of shed. Uh, tears of joy and tears of agony for this team and to finally see and 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 see that there's a guy wearing an angel's hat in the hall of fame it's going to make it special when i finally do make it out there and and see vladimir guerrero see an actual plaque with a guy wearing a halo on his head that's freaking awesome yeah i was always i was also disappointed that we weren't there just thinking about like the future like when's the next angel that's going to be inducted in the hall of fame obviously we'd, we'd say mike trout um, but we 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 don't know. 
And then after that, who knows? If Mike Trout doesn't go to Philadelphia and win a couple of championships, then, you know, I, I don't see him going in as an angel. And if he, do, if he doesn't go to Philly and stays as an angel, obviously he will go in as an angel. Yeah, so that wraps up uh, this day in Angels history and the Curator's Chronicles. All this information comes out of a lovely book called Angels Journal by John Snyder. Uh, maybe next time on Curator's Chronicles, we'll, we'll document maybe a piece of Angels memorabilia found at a swap meet or something of that sort. Uh, we're in the connection of buying some stuff from an old scout of the Angels and some stuff that's unreleased right now. Uh, we can't disclose too much about that, but we will We will uh, let you know. And there he is, mixing uh, just as fast as he came in. He goes out. Awesome. Great edition of Curator's Chronicles, as always. Everyone's favorite segment of the show, the Curator's Chronicles. All right, moving on. You know, we... Like Chris had mentioned in, you know, in the Chronicles, we had an interview last week with Gubizan, the week before with Trent Rush. We had the distinct honor again of having another great person on our show record. Uh, we sat down at uh, Halo Haven Light at Dan's house, and we talked to none other than the man, Jose Moda. We You saw him all weekend, and then even when Vlad got announced he was going into the Hall of Fame, he was kind of Vlad's interpreter, Vlad's right-hand man. We talked a little bit about Vladimir Guerrero. Um, the end of the the end of the uh, our recording kind of got interrupted, but um, it kind of got cut short without him saying goodbye. But we appreciate Moda. So here's the interview we conducted with Jose Moda about a week before uh, the Hall of Fame induction. Hey, what's going on? This is Johnny Max from the All Angels Podcast. We have a special guest today. I'm joined as always with Daniel Garcia here, and we have no none other than the man. Jose Moda, Jose, thanks for joining us on the All Angels Podcast. John, Daniel, man, great to be with you guys. Always an honor. I know you guys are so supportive of, uh, you know, the work that we do and certainly uh, trying to bring that information about the players, the community, the fans, and uh, social media and everything. So great to connect with you guys, certainly. So one of the things we want to ask you about the Angels, because you get to see him every day, and I think that's so cool. This kid, Fletcher, <laughs> you know, What's 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 it about him that seems to be sparking the Angels and also not just the Angels but the fans? He's got great baseball aptitude, which is something that um, a lot of young players are in a way just unfortunately kind of losing a little bit nowadays. And what he does, he understands who he is. He, he knows what his game is. He knows the importance of being aware of what the game situation calls for. I, I like this kid from three years ago in spring training when they used to call him up to pinch run. And it seemed like, you know, during our broadcast, I go, Terry, it seems like every time he comes in, something happens. <laughs> something good happens for the Angels. And uh, I recall a couple of spring trains ago, I'm like, it seems like we're broadcasting two games, one with the regulars from one through the fifth or sixth inning. And then when these kids come in and absolutely just energize the entire thing because, you know, they're, they're playing at a higher gear. They're, you know, the regular players are trying to get ready for the season, compete, yes, but these kids are trying to make an impression. And in the middle of everything was David Fletcher. Whether he needed somebody to bunt for a base hit, bunt for a sacrifice, get a sack fly, uh, put the ball in play, battle with two strikes, get you a clutch base hit, get on base, everything he did. And then the base running aspect also mightily impressive. And you can tell, you know, good family, great roots at Cyprus. Uh, Loyola Marymount, and just a, a knack for playing the game right and understanding exactly who he is as a player. 
yeah, he's a he's an awesome player, great guy to have around. Okay, so switching to another guy who, and on my side, I, I I see him as being a huge part of the Angels so far, especially considering all the injuries to the pitching staff. How awesome or how great has Jaime Berea been? Oh, Berea is uh, very impressive for a now 22-year-old. He just turned 22 uh, uh, July 18th. In fact, uh, he had a chance to go back home to Panama, which is terrific. But and to go back as a big leaguer, which is even, even more special, celebrate your birthday, too. He has an understanding and a knack of what pitching is about and almost like a throwback type guy where uh, forget about the radar gun with this guy. You know, he, he knows how to separate pitches. He knows about creating differential. He knows how to change angles. He knows how to uh, go out there and perplex the hitter a little bit more with the eye levels. And the feel that he has for his secondary pitches, it's pretty amazing, uh, considering that he's a guy that um, grew up in Panama idolizing Felix Hernandez and watching a lot of Felix's games. I'm not surprised that he got a feel for how to throw those breaking balls, especially that changeup, which is a plus pitch for him in any count. And... Um, even more impressive is that he doesn't get caught up in anything about throwing harder. Uh, he understands about making adjustments, which he knows continue on a daily basis and at bat for a bat here at this level. Uh, but he keeps his composure. You know, there's some innings where things could have gone south and the, and, and the line score would have been very ugly, but he found a way to at least keep the team in the game and, and battle through it. And the Angels have been very careful in his pitches, the, the amount of pitches, the innings that he's pitched. And, and he responded very well to a challenge that perhaps came earlier than he thought it was going to come. Yeah, going from, you know, one of the younger players uh, on the Angels to one of the more veteran players on it, you, whether it's you or Gooby or any of the guys we talked to, you seem the guys have the best seat in the house. But what memory of anything Albert Pujols has done, whether it's, you know, his 3,000 head or anything like that, what, what memory stands out to you the most? Oh, man, with Albert, <laughs> there's so many things. I think. 600 home runs is 600 home runs. And if you consider how long it took him to get there, um, how kind of the pressure started getting to him a little bit more, and he admitted it later, uh, not to take away from anything else he's done, which he's thrilled us with, but uh, 600 home runs to do it here at home against a former team at Urban Santana, uh, and just to see the fan reaction, to see Albert kind of you know interact with his family. And uh, I say for me, it, that's been the moment because it happened here at home and uh, for Albert himself, I know that he he likes to downplay all these things, but it means a lot to the family. It means a lot to him uh, because of uh, you know because of he is today you know which is a different player than he was back in St. Louis, but still a very productive player. But I will never forget that moment only because I know Albert and have known Albert for you know pretty much his entire career before he got to the big leagues, and I know how he's worked and how he persevered to stay in that lineup. Um, good to have him back today, by the way. He's back in the lineup, uh, but I would say six hundred. And leading up to that, it's like building this big Hollywood scenery, and all of a sudden, boom, there's the explosion that happened, and, and this ballpark just went crazy. It was great. All right, so, you know, talking about one future Hall of Famer to a soon-to-be, in a couple of days, Hall of Famer, Vladimir Guerrero with the Hall of Fame ceremony coming just a few days away. Talk to us about Vlad, uh, Vlad how Vlad feels about being the first ever Angel uh, in the Hall of Fame, representing the Angels in the Hall of Fame. I know you were with him during the whole the process there when he was chosen to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. Talk to us about how he feels. Meaning, is is that something special to him? Oh, Roddy is absolutely thrilled because he understands that the Angels have not been represented by anybody in the Hall of Fame. He comes over here from Montreal, where he is absolutely beloved by the fans. 
And it means a lot more to him to go into the Angel because of the impact that the teammates had on him as a player. And, and these teammates, let me tell you, in that time he was here with Mike Socha as a manager, um, they challenged him to, to kind of bring it to the next level. And he responded well. And, and the eyes were all on him and the pressure of this big guy that came from the National League and was a stud, he's a 5-2 player, can he do it in the American League? And he did it. And then to produce in the middle of a lineup where every eye was on him, where every scouting report said, don't let this guy beat you. And to get it done, and on top of that, not just his individual numbers, but the Angels won a lot of games with him and won divisions and went to the playoffs with him, which makes it even more meaningful. And I think that's where Vladi gets more of the um, the taste of what this really means because he takes a lot of pride in saying not only is this an individual accomplishment, but in my time with the Angels, we were able to go to the postseason and enjoy that as a team. Talking about Hall of Famers and future Hall of Famers, you can't really have that discussion without talking about Mike Trout. How has his growth, because it seems like every year you're like, you know, he did so great, he said so great, but then the next year comes like, wow, he's actually even doing better than he did the year before. How is that, how has it been to watch him grow up through the Angels organization? Absolutely uh, honored to see this young kid that um, I got to know when he was an able. And to know that back then he was hungry to become a better player and that thirst and that hunger has not left him, which is absolutely amazing considering that he is the biggest star in the game. He is the best player in the game and um, that he continues to search for more. And on the individual side of it, yes, it's great because he challenges himself to get better and he understands his game. He studies the game. He studies the history of the game. And to me, that's so refreshing to see this young player still go out there and have fun playing the game and to play at that level. And I recall, you know, even some of my early commentaries when he first came up was going, I don't recall a player that came with so many expectations in terms of the tools. And then that we get to witness those tools so quickly <laughs> at the big league level. I'm like, that's almost unheard of. You know, sometimes you're like, Oh, this guy's going to hit for power. It's going to come. Oh, this guy's going to steal bases. It's going to come. With Mike Trout, it just came. It, it, it all came. <laughs> and you're like, unbelievable. And I know it means a lot to him to improve every single year. And I can go back and think about every single spring training when, you know, I've been fortunate enough to go out there and greet him and have that first interview with him when he comes back from his offseason in, in, in New Jersey. And he'll always point something out to me that he needs to get better at. And to this day, it's been about cutting down on strikeouts, laying up the high fastball, stealing more bases, being more aggressive on the first pitch, being able to be better and track the ball better in the outfield. All these things, he goes out there and gets them done. And then he practices. He asks questions. He's surrounded by pools. You know, he, he's been blessed because he, he came up with pools and Tory Hunter. And for a young player with the expectations from the media and outside of baseball and the family and keeping all that balance, that's been a great blessing for him. And he'll tell you that. I mean, having come up like that and, and knowing when to just, there's a lot of pulling and tugging, you know, for his attention and, and his time, but understanding that he needs to keep that balance. I absolutely admire this young man because what he's done is unparalleled and also how he continues to get better and certainly how hopefully everything will come to fruition because he is all about winning and going to the playoffs and he deserves to be somebody that's on stage and the biggest stage in October for Major League Baseball. 
Yeah, you know, st- staying on the Mike Trout topic, baseball aside, I've had the pleasure of meeting him <clears throat> a few times, and the guy cannot be any nicer, right? Talk about Mike Trout, the person. I mean, how great is he? Let me tell you a story um, very quickly about when he first came up, and he's catching the attention of everybody. So, you know, it starts here with the Angels' expectations of the young player. Remember, um, he came up because Bobby Abreu got let go. When Bobby got to a got off to a bad start, I, I still remember that day. We were in Cleveland, and Bobby is giving the news. So, you know, Bobby was a very good friend of mine. I go to Bobby's room, and uh, Bobby is like, you know, I just did not perform well enough, but. Mike Trout's coming up. Even Bobby Abreu at that time is going. But this kid's coming up. And, and you know what? If anything, it's an opportunity for him. And before you know it, he hasn't stopped. Here's why I was, I was going to tell you. There's a player who uh, and I'm not going to name him, but respecting his privacy. But he, he came and told me, you know, we heard about Mike Trout this and Mike Trout that, right? So he goes, we're going to go play against the Angels in Anaheim. He goes, I almost didn't want to like the guy. He goes, I didn't want to like the guy, but once I went on the field and I just saw this smile, I saw the production, I saw the, the skill level, which is above everybody, I couldn't stop by, I couldn't help but like him and love him. And, and just to know that, my God, I had this almost like certain jealousy, he says, about this player that's getting the attention of everybody here with the Angels. I almost didn't want to like him, but you know what? I loved him the minute I saw him, and I said, "Welcome to our show." Because I mean, that's we see it every single night, and we don't stop or get tired of seeing it because he can amaze you in so many different ways and beat you in so many different ways uh, in, in every day, pretty much in, in uh, the way he affects a game. Yeah, that's. I mean, every story you hear about Mike Trout, it, it's just it's unbelievably the way he interacts with kids before games. Um, I stops, takes pictures. He's by far probably the best person out there that I. Yeah, I and, and you know what? Going back, going back deeper after his 2010 season, I believe it was uh, he had played a ball and he was in the uh, qualifying roster for the Team USA for Pan Am Games. Mm. And um, a friend of mine with Major League Baseball said, "We have this kid Trout," and and he goes, "We have Double A and Triple A players on this roster, but Jose, this is the best player we have." I go. Come on. He goes, no, this is the best player. He's out of A-ball. <laughs> and the next day I get a call. Uh, my friend goes, oh, you know, I know Jose Mora. He's with the Angels. And next day I get a call from Puerto Rico. <laughs> Hi, Jose. This is Mike Trout. Oh, wow. That's he's an A-ball. Yeah. And then cool. we hit it off, and he's asking me questions about the Angels, the organization, the process of getting to the big leagues, the mental side, um, the media, um, all these kinds of things that I'm going – Oh my goodness! I'm honored by this kid reaching out, and certainly, you know, you know, since that day, uh, we've been uh, pretty good friends with the end of the family. That's awesome. Now, to talk a little bit about about yourself, I I saw that you are. I'm, I think you still are the only person to do the Spanish broadcast in English or Spanish broadcast in um, radio and on TV, and also the uh, English broadcast in radio and TV. When you did I'm a, that, were you, I'm a lucky man. Yeah, yes. when, when you did that, were you aware that was kind of a thing, or did someone have to tell you, like, this is what you just did and no one's done it before? Um, Tim Mead um, alerted me on it because I had known um, for a few days before that I was going to do these games for Terry. Terry was filling in for Victor on TV. Right. And Tim Mead, Eric Kay, Adam Chasco, they all said, mm, you know what, Jose? We, um, says, I had done games with Terry in spring training, obviously. I had done play-by-play with him, you know, 
helping him out three or four innings in spring training. But and also I've been working with Terry and English Radio before Langston um, got here. But as an analyst, but this was now you are the play-by-play guy for these three games in, in Baltimore, and I was like, "Wow, wait a minute!" And Tim came back to me. He goes, "Nobody's done it." And not only that, he goes, "You've done it for us on Spanish radio, play-by-play and analyst, yeah. on English radio, play-by-play and analyst, on Spanish TV, play-by-play and analyst, and uh, on on English TV, you've done it too." So I was kind of taken aside and like, "Wow, you know, more than anything, is just uh, I've been a." a a product of the opportunities I've been given um, by people that believed in me, by uh, challenging me, by making me better. And, and certainly uh, with the Angels organization, they've opened some doors and opportunities that have been created thanks to, first of all, Disney, who hired me, and then Artie Moreno and John Carpino. All of them uh, provided many opportunities for me to keep growing. Jose, how important is it for you? Because you're, you're. I, I like to, I like to call you the a man of the people, man. I've, I've gotten the privilege to meet you a few times. <laughs> you're more than happy to, to, to sign a ball or take a picture. How important is it to you to be that type of person? Listen, man, we're nobody without the fans. Um, and, and I tell people, and they think I'm joking. The fans pay our salaries, and we should never forget that. Uh, the players' salaries are paid because the fans come or don't come. So, uh, understand that. I was rooted in an organization with my dad where every single one of those moments was sincerely appreciated. I saw my dad do it for so many years. I saw the flock of fans come to my dad's window after the games to get autographs back when you know, the players just parked in the parking lot. Anybody knew where they parked, you know, and there was like a group of people waiting around your car. I was like part of the deal. And I saw the care, the love, the appreciation my dad had for every single one of those fans. Uh, to this day, I get people and now grown men to go, you know what, Mike, your dad took the time to look me in the eye and to sign that autograph for me, and I really appreciate that. Um, one of them is Bill Shaken, who writes for the Times. He goes, Jose, I have a picture I'm going to show you. It's me with your dad as a kid. Wow. <laughs> and I take that to understand that, how about my kids? I have two kids, and I'm like, I want my kids to be able to go to somebody that they admire or that they watch on TV or, or, or listen to on radio or see in the movies and for them to come back with a good experience. So that's nothing out of, that's nothing out of my time. I'm serving God. Um, you know, and I tell people, this is what I do as a job, but this is not who I am. I am just somebody that's trying to be better about serving God better every single day. But I don't take for granted that those kids, their parents make the effort to come to the ballpark. They watch you on TV just give him a second. It costs you nothing. And I do recall my dad always said, Jose, there's going to be a day when they're not going to want your autograph and they're not going to be waiting for you. And you know what? He goes, I've seen it happen with so many players through the years. That That's a sad day. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, but overall, you know, he said it more rhetorically like, you know, this, this is what can happen if you don't take care of them. Um, and at some point, you're not going to be, uh, you know, the person that I look up to and so like that. So why not let them know that we're also like them? You know, we're not we're, we're not on a pedestal, but we're just people like them. And, right. you know, I was, C, I was a C student in school and I just, you know, all those challenges that everybody has, I've had. And certainly I, I do enjoy that because I know how much effort they put into just thanking us for what you do. And we need to pay them back. 
Yeah, definitely. And talking, you know, speaking of your dad and, you know, ball player, longtime Dodger uh, coach and everything like that, do you happen to have his bobblehead? I saw the, the Dodgers did a bobblehead from, uh, I think, a couple years back. Yes, fortunately I do. It was uh, June 9th against the Braves, and we were out of town. And uh, <laughs> I believe it was promise of the first 40,000 people, and 52,000 people Ooh, came wow, that wow. day. So I was like, wow, my goodness, what a blessing. And uh, uh, I know there's plenty of people that he still um, is holding bobbleheads for. But thankfully, a couple of people that went to the game that day said, Jose, you know what? Because it's you, we have a couple bobbleheads for you. So I said, Dad, oh, wow. save yourself two of them. You don't have to give me any. <laughs> <That's awesome. That's laughs> and, and I do. It's, it's pretty cool to have up there. I have him right up there with um, uh, Aggie Garrido, who is, uh, of course, uh true mentor of mine and certainly somebody i admire for so many years and, and now departed somebody i'll love forever awesome well before we let you go i wanted to uh this was brought to my attention just a second ago we have something in common jose other than being able to speak spanish and english you're both bilingual uh we both like baseball we cook monday we cook we cook well that too <laughs> but but you <clears throat> you just like me had a cameo or had an appearance in a movie i was in angels in the outfield uh, back in 1993, a brief little cameo. You were in uh, a Kevin, was it the Kevin Costner film, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, for love of the game. How how was that experience for you? Oh my God, that was. Let me tell you, I got a I got a cup of coffee in the big leagues with the Padres and with the Royals. This was beyond being in the big leagues. <laughs> beyond. This is an experience that I know very few people in the world have. But first of all, to get my SAG card, which was oh. <laughs> what a thrill that was. I was just about to ask you that too. And, and then. You know, I still belong to the union, and then to be treated the way you get treated, and you know, as a Hollywood actor, oh my lord! In, in a <laughs> premiere movie like this, do is do it again, man, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> and we are back, and that was our interview with Jose Moda. I want to, you know, on behalf of all of us, thank Jose Moda for taking the time out to talk with us. And I mean, just sit. Uh, we were expecting maybe five, ten minutes. 15 max we went like almost 20 minutes of talking with jose moda he was more than cordial he was happy you know just happy to answer any questions we had I mean, what a great guy right yeah and and kind of like what you were saying too with with jose the same kind of situation we found ourselves with also uh mark gubaza and trent rush we were just hoping to get you know a few minutes yeah you know five ten minutes tell us what you think blah 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 but you know these guys being the professionals they are they're able to expand <coughs> on the questions you know tell a story about maybe their um, experiences with it. So it, it, it made everything a lot easy. The guys were always, um, you know, oh, yeah, anytime or, you know, I'll, I'll call me at this time. And it wasn't like, hey, we call and, oh, no, now they're not picking up the, the phone call. No, they they're, they were on time. It, was very, it could have been very easy for these guys to kind of just blow us off as a little uh, podcast. But um, constant professionals, uh, you know, Jose, uh, Trent Rush, and Mark Gubza. Absolutely. So let's move on to our Poll question of the week. Dan, take over, bud. Yeah, okay. So people that don't know, we do a poll question every week on our Twitter at Halo underscore Haven. Um, it gets posted about, you know, Monday morning, Monday afternoon, and it runs until the podcast. Um, but, you know, each week is a little bit different. This week, because of Mark Gubaza being in Cooperstown with the whole Vladimir Guerrero Hall of Fame induction ceremony, they brought in... Dontrell Willis to be um, in the booth with Victor Rojas and um, for the whole series, which I thought was a cool little twist to it. So my question was simple. Um, did you like it or did you not like uh, Dontrell being on TV? 
and not really surprising, but 94% of them said they liked it. 6% said they didn't like it. I enjoyed it. I think it was a nice little change. Glad to have Gooby back. Don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, Dontrell, he has that, that, that nice studio job for Fox on Sundays. So, But if he ever wants to give that up and wants to get into a booth, I think he can really do it. Absolutely. I, I enjoyed it. Not that we needed change. I love Gooby. I love Rojas. They, ca- they catch a lot of heat for whatever reason. I don't know. They're way better than the guys we had before, personally. And I, I've been watching Angel Games since they were on KTLA Channel 5. So, you know, I remember Kenton Brett, Ken Wilson. I remember Bob Starr and Mario and Pemba. Uh, so, Gooby and, and Rojas do a great job. Dan Tra- Don Trout was awesome, man. He, he, he That perspective that he brings, he's like a younger cat. So, it was more of like a, a cooler vibe to it. Uh, but... Man, I would love. Are to you have, saying a mullet's not cool? No, mullet. It's super cool. You saw the mullet hanging right out by the rally bus. No, but Dontrell, I could see Dontrell joining Gooby and Rojas and have a three-man crew, like a lot of teams do, have a three-man crew. That'd be awesome to have a three guys in the booth and having Dontrell in there. So I, I, I agreed with the ninety-four percent. Yeah, definitely. I, I did too. I, I went yes on that one. So again, uh, look for us on Twitter at Halo underscore Haven. Um, we post links to the <clears throat> to the podcast. Uh, poll questions every week. Um, it's a good way to figure out what we're doing, what's coming up, events for us. Um, and talking about events, we got one coming up uh, just over a week and a half, if you want to talk about that. Yeah, August 11th, San Manuel Stadium. The Inland Empire 66ers take on the Lake Elsinore Storm. It will be Mike Trout Wall Catch Bobblehead Night. But that's just a side part. That's, Limited, that's, yeah, that's not the that's, that's like the secondary part. Limited to the first 1,500 fans. Okay, now. The but real main the real headliner. main headliner is it is Halo Haven Night at 66ers at San Manuel Stadium. We will have the rally bus not only at San Manuel Stadium, but it will be inside the actual stadium, right where you can you know in bird's eye view of like everybody in the seating area. So you guys can come out, check out the bus during the game, before the game. We will be doing giveaways. Exactly what we're going to be giving out, we're not 100 percent sure yet. We have a lot of things uh, that we're getting together. Buttons, for sure. You guys know our button game is strong. So we are going to give you know stuff out, and we will have uh, you will have to do something. Uh, we'll, we'll let you guys know that day. I'll give you a hint. You're going to have to follow us on Instagram at Halo underscore Haven. If you're going to want a lot of these prizes, and I'm talking about... Uh, just Not just one, buttons, either. This is buttons. Like one, for example, we have a signed... Uh, picture of Brandon Marsh, one of the top prospects in the Angels organization, and and is on the 66ers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to want to win that, you're going to have to follow us on Instagram and to figure out how. So, remember, August 11th is Halo Haven Night, and some guy Mike Trout bobblehead, blah blah blah. But Halo Haven yeah. Night, and as it stands right now, we are throwing out the first pitch too. So get ceremonial there, first yeah, pitch. So get out there early. I hope I don't make a fool of myself. Um, I haven't pitched off a mound that's an actual regulation mound because last time I pitched was like what six years old so that can be kind of sketchy wow. um you got john that has a torn rotator rotator i do have a torn, torn rotator cuff so who knows what the hell's gonna happen i used there. to pitch in college the, but the I, only veteran of this first pitch ceremony is, is going chris. to be chris so expect high things from him medium things from uh john and then very low things from me i'm nervous because i have co- co- collegiate experience on the mound and with this torn rotator cuff, uh, I don't know how great it's going to – or how much velocity is going to be behind it. I think I could get oh, it to the Oh, do you think plate. we could talk, ask him to turn on the, um, the oh, gun? Oh, the gun? I'll probably reach a scorching 38 
miles per hour, maybe? I, I just wanted to register. I don't even care what it is. If My changeup would be about 25. If you've seen the 50 cent first pitch, I am. I just uh, hope it's better than that. I almost want to do that. But no, <laughs> Halo Haven Night, August 11th, San Manuel Stadium, Inland Empire 66ers take on the Lake Elsinore yeah. Storm. In all seriousness, if you're going to try to get a Mike Trout bobblehead, got to get there super gates early. Gates open at 6. I, I highly suggest getting there by like 2 o'clock. Or sooner, or to be sooner. honest. Just get get your chairs. You know, yeah. it might be warm. Get an easy up. You know, in about 20, 30 minutes from gates opening, you can go put that stuff you, in your car. You're going to have to wait at least three or four hours to, to almost guarantee yourself a bobblehead. So if you want that, yeah, then you're going to have to do that. We did that for the first trap bobblehead. Exactly. So, all right. So we're going to wrap up the show with our email questions. We had quite a few. And you, you touched on, on Twitter. We've had some um, Twitter conversations. Like, like some more Twitter followers or yeah, more? Uh, Instagram. Um, if you guys don't know, follow Bobble Sniper. He gave us a nice little shout out earlier this week. We uh, hooked him up with a uh, Otani double bobblehead. Uh, check him out on Instagram, and he has his YouTube page. He reviews a bunch of bobbleheads, and mm-hmm. and if you know Halo Haven, we we like to collect. Especially uh, Chris, he has a nice collection of bobbleheads. So um, it was only natural that we kind of just uh, met up and had like kind of a professional. Hey, what's going on? But. Um, yeah, check him out, Bobble Sniper, on Instagram and on YouTube. He gave us a shout-out. You know, Gooby gave us a shout-out. You know, hopefully uh, uh, Jose does the same. But, yeah, we, man, we've been, we've been coming yeah. up. Pretty cool. All right, so this first email comes from a loyal listener, Lamar. He says, yo, fellas, man, I was lifelong Angels fan. Watching the Hall of Fame induction of Laddie was very special. I started to think about all my favorite players, and none of them in the Hall of Fame with a halo on their hat. But we can no longer say that. Man, Vlad was a, spe- a spectacle. You never wanted to miss an at-bat ever. I would always time it just right to go to the concession stands to go grab some food or drinks so I wouldn't miss a Vlad at-bat. There are only a rare few of, that have that impact. Well-deserved, Vlad. So that's, yeah, he, I, he yeah. nailed it, dude. Yeah, definitely. I, every time I went to Angel Stadium and Vlad was going to bat, I made sure I was in my seat. Otani's kind of that way right now. Right? Yeah, especially at the beginning where mm-hmm. you weren't sure what was going to happen. But once he caught on fire, everyone kind of made it a deal to where, all right, Otani's up third in, in this inning. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down or, you know, I have some time before he comes back again. If I need to get something done, I'm going to do it now yeah. so I'm back in time. Uh, you, We had an email from Daniel that you read earlier, so I won't read that one again. This next one comes from someone I don't think we've heard from him before. So if this is your first time emailing, thank you for emailing us. It's Derek Trainer. He says, hello, stumbled upon the podcast as I was searching for angels on my iTunes. Awesome stuff, guys. I love the idea of a weekly show about the angels. I've been an angels fan since I was about five years old. I'm 41 now. I drive my wife crazy during the baseball season, but she's gotten used to it. I am not much of a social media guy, but I will drop in here from time to time to ask questions or comment. So thank you, Derek Trainer. We can uh, definitely relate with driving our future wives crazy with Angels baseball. So yeah. uh, we are right in the boat with you, and maybe we should get some advice to tell them what to do yes. moving forward in our lives. Yes. Well, Chris is married, so he's, his wife has to deal with Chris's obsession. I mean, look at this place. If you're watching us on Instagram Live right now or Facebook Live, whatever, you, I mean, look at this place. Um, and we're here. We're doing a podcast every week, so it's crazy. Uh, our next uh, email comes from Lauren Codd. She says, with July being over, thank God, I'm pretty much mailing in the rest of the season. I mean, shoot, we can't beat Tampa. What makes us think we can jump over Oakland and Seattle? My husband and the guys here at work want to know, are the Angels serious contenders this offseason on acquiring some solid pieces, or are they going to cross their fingers and hope that the young guys will overachieve and help this team win some games in 2019? What do you think about that, uh, Daniel, honestly, I think 
just because of the free agent market, maybe in pitching, um, they're going to have to go young on this one. They're going to have to hope that some of these guys like Griffin Canning develop, some of these guys bounce back from uh, Tommy John surgery a little bit quicker. Maybe not quicker, but are able to contribute. But um, definitely going to have to um, go young in that situation. Um, if you were going to look at maybe other positions of need will probably be either second or third, depending on what they do with the Fletcher Cozart thing. Yeah. But um, like we said earlier, catcher might be a situation where they might need to address. But I think the number one thing will be pitching. But Absolutely. I just don't know. Uh, free agency, I don't think they make a move free agency-wise. Trade-wise, yeah. I can see them making a move. And we mentioned this earlier, Sonny Gray might be a great guy where you can buy a low on him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's not gone very well with uh, New York. But a lot, of, a lot of pitchers go to New York and not Oh, exactly. Well. I mean, if you look at his home-to-road splits, ERA-wise, <laughs> ERA, um, it's a whole um, like three to four runs higher at Yankee Stadium than on the road. So. Yeah. I mean, if that's a guy that you saw him in Oakland, you knew what he was capable of in Oakland. If you're able to get something like that cheap on a trade market during the offseason and come in and maybe be that third, fourth, fifth guy, kind of um, at least with uh, expectation-wise, and, and maybe he does develop into a two or one, but um, I would like to see something like that happen where they maybe take a risk on a guy that uh, can have a lot of upside. All right, guys, on Instagram Live, we have J-U-I underscore C-E-1 asking, catching for next year, do you guys think they're adding? We, we kind of touched on that on the beginning of the podcast. Uh, if, yeah, if you want to jump on it, subscribe to iTunes Music, yeah. iTunes Podcast, and check it out. But, no, we'll, we'll be, we, uh, Dan mentioned that we'll probably go with, you know, if we don't go and pick up somebody via trade or free agency, they'll go with Arcia. I had kind of mentioned that Rene Rivera is coming back. He's a solid catcher. He is old. Dan, he's 35. But if if they can't go out and get somebody that's going to make an immediate impact, I think they go with a Briseño, yeah. maybe Rene Rivera, Arcia kind and of I thing. And I think you see it, too, in just um, the free agency market in general last year. Yeah. Um, a lot of these big money dudes or these guys that wanted to get big money that were 31, 32 years old, um, these teams aren't willing to give them four or five-year deals just because of the the high risk in it. Because kind of like I was saying with Renee, when you hit that 32, 33 or older um, age, you're waiting for that downfall. It's coming. Yeah. You just hope that it's not in a the first year of a four-year deal. Right, and I, you won't, and then you won't sign guys to a three, four-year deal. You right. know, like a Rivera yeah. would be a guy you bring in for one season who will platoon, who won't be an everyday catcher. And that's why I said if the Angels don't go out and get an everyday catcher, they'll, they'll go with the Briseño. Right. They'll go with maybe Briseño and a, and a veteran backup catcher. Yeah. You know? So, And I wanted to touch on the pitching aspect where we were talking that you were talking about the pitchers. This year, the Angels, there was a lot of pitchers available that the Angels could have signed on a one-year deal that they didn't. And the reason they didn't what made sense to me because they had Heaney, they had Tropiano, they had Bridwell, they had – uh, uh, Ramirez. They had you know uh, 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 Heaney. They had Skaggs. They had they had like seven sh- shoemakers. They had seven guys, seven or eight guys for a five spot rotation. They had Otani even, and so they didn't go out and they they didn't pick up that Jaime Garcia for three million for one season. They didn't pick up the Lance Lynn for one year six million. I think this year if they're out there, those guys are out there like a Jaime Garcia type kind of guy who you can get for a one-year, $3 million deal. I think they go out and they do get a guy like that to be a number three, number four veteran starter in the rotation. You can't expect these guys to be aces of the staff because that's, they're, they're, not, that's not who they are. 
So if they're able to pick up a Garcia, a Lance Lynn type guy, I'm not saying them specifically, but those type of guys who are veteran, like a Sonny Gray, a veteran guy who can be your number three, number four starter, add some depth to your rotation, add some some uh, veteran leadership to the rotation, and maybe even acquiring a guy via trade because uh, the Angels stockpile their farm system. They can pick up a guy who maybe they have under control for maybe two years. You know, you never know. Another guy that I would think, you looking at the free agent market, uh, Nathan Evaldi, he's 29 years old. There you go. Old. That's perfect. Uh, Another guy like he's that. He's making $2 million right now, so he's probably going to get up that, that four, three to four yeah. um, but range. But you, you signed him at a one-year deal. Yeah. You know, Patrick, the one that I'm looking at right now, because I'm looking at a free agency right in front of me, the one that it's kind of interesting because he has had kind of a resurgence in Cincinnati is Matt Harvey. Oh, yeah. Matt Harvey. Uh, um, he's 30 right now. Yeah. When he was on top of his game, he was an ace of right. the Mets staff. and. You know, I don't know if being in New York was was Getting what too made, much to him got or... too much. I don't know if being this close to LA will be it. Being in the middle of Cincinnati, maybe that's perfect for him. Right. But, um, if you could pick him up fairly cheap, that's a guy that. But would be those really are the kind of guys who I'm I'm talking about. Those kind of like a Giovanni Gallardo, like a guy who is proven. But you don't you're not bringing these people in, these guys in to be aces of your staff. So you're just bringing them in to be like a veteran guy. And if they can regain some kind of their past form, hell of a deal, right? I mean, they can't go wrong with that. Uh, all right, moving on to the last question from our good friend Duncan Healy, all the way in Dead Horse, Alaska. He says, hello, fellas. I, uh, like I said on Twitter, and yeah, he jumped on Twitter. Great interview with Gooby. Awesome. Uh, so after today's loss, we just got swept. Is it safe to say that this team is done? I like the moves the Angels made to bolster the farm system. Did you guys see that the Angels went from 20 to number 12 in Major League Baseball? Something that Chris had mentioned to us earlier today. Yeah, the Angels, yeah. I mean, the, uh, the Angels did this. Not only in the offseason when acquiring in the draft, acquiring Jordan Adams and, and Jeremiah Jackson, and you know, you have Joe Adele who's tearing it up, and you got Jemai Jones, Brandon Marsh. Uh, but the Angels also made those moves uh, for Maldonado for guys who are going to walk away at the end of the season, bolstered up, moved, moved us up. That helped us move up in the farm system five years ago. How horrible was our farm system? You no, know? you're right. And the fact that we're, they're even close to being in the top 10 um, prospect. Uh, farm system wise is, is awesome. I think they have like four or five guys now in the top 100, which is something that the Angels for a point didn't have any. No, nothing. So that's great. I mean, you, you kind of touched on it. Joe Adele recently got called up to Double A Mobile. Um, his first game there, he had home run and like three RBIs. So um, obviously, he's kind of a guy to watch going into next year if he starts out in Mobile, if he starts out in Triple A, where, where, where it's going to go. But like you said, you know, you have Adele, you have Marsh, you have Canny, you have Jemai, um, you have uh, Thice. Those are your top five right there. Um, and it, it helps that getting these guys for the trade that necessarily aren't, like we said earlier, not your top guys, but just add overall depth yeah. to the organization. Absolutely, man. So great moves by Billy Epler. I like where the organization is going and farm system-wise. <clears throat> Obviously, this season hasn't gone how we had planned it to be, but, you know, uh, you got to plan for the future. And the Angels' farm system is locked. I mean, you look at the Yankees and how great they are now. And their farm system, they, they I don't know. I mean, they they just know how to do it. So, great moves done by the Angels. And moving forward, we, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. But I don't know if you have anything else, Dan, but we're going to start wrapping up this show. Yeah. Um, no, I don't have anything in particular. Just remember to follow us on Halo underscore Haven on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, we will be posting stuff about coming up with the August 11th uh, Halo Haven Day at 66th Ballpark. 
Um, and if you guys are ever interested or ever in the area, drop by the ballpark, check out a game. Like I said, Brandon Marsh is the number two prospect, and he is pretty much an everyday player. He's out there in uh, left or, or center field, more so center field now that Joe left. But um, you have Brandon Marsh. You have some other younger guys that are coming up through the system that are probably going to be names. Um, like we said, Patrick Sandoval, he's starting Saturday, uh, the newly inquired Patrick Sandoval. So um, ever need a game to watch and you don't want to spend a ton of money, definitely suggest going down to Inland Empire and checking out a game and, and, and seeing the future, seeing the future Angels, because as a fan to me, a lot of things is not as exciting as seeing guys start from the bottom and working their way up through the system and then in a couple of years being able to say, yeah, I saw that guy when he was in single A. Absolutely. So if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns for the show, email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. That's allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Um, that's it. And that's going to wrap it up for today. I am Johnny Maggs. I am Dan Garcia. We will catch you guys next week, same, relatively the same day, same time. All right. Have a great rest of your week. Some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. A gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW.
the ultimate driving machine.